0: been this morning, and we are, um, if you don't know, we're in a series called Grounded for a Life. You can see it on the screen, and the idea is real simple, taken from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, because we're looking for the, up for we've looked for a couple of months, and we're looking for the upcoming months, at this letter of Paul to his spiritual children in the town of Corinth, not too far from Athens, Greece. And so Paul is writing to his spiritual children, and, and, and he loves them. It's really important. He's not writing a letter to them like, birth out of anger. He's not writing it in a sense of like, I hate you. Somebody you you're doing wrong. Fix this. No, he's writing it to them as you would write a letter to your children if they're acting up. Right? Like you would write it and you would write it very directly but seasons with a lot of, lot of love and grace because you're good parents, right? And that's how he's, as I want you to read it as such, that he's not like angry and like bashing over the head. He's not one of those, you know, Bible beating preachers that you grew up and you didn't like very much. No, he's like a loving father who's coming very, in a very directive way to say, listen, in 1 Corinthians 3, you should be mature, but you're not. We laid a foundation of Jesus. We laid a foundation of Jesus and the building that you're building It's just, it's not on the foundation of Jesus. You're not building a foundation that's keeping in line with Jesus. And so you're immature in your faith. And I really have a a desire and expectation and a belief that that maturity and depth with Christ is what's available to you. And so that's the whole reason he's writing it. And so we looked last week and, and Paul said, all right, there's this foundation of Jesus and And he comes along and says, you need to grow in maturity. Then he comes and he says, all right, my being, this was last week. You need to hear this because it's a foundation for this week. He said, all right, you should be mature. So let me say this. I want to tell you in first in verse one, chapter four, my whole being, every part of who I am is wrapped up in being a servant and a steward of God. Like he woke up every day. This is really important. So many Christians wrestle with their calling and their purpose in life. And to be completely honest with you, I think it is a it is an exaggerated, it's an exaggerated theme in the kingdom of God, the people of God. People are like, I just don't know what my calling is. And I'm like it's really clear. Chapter 4, verse 1. You were called to be a servant of God in all that you do, and you're called to be a steward of God in every relationship that you're in. End of story. There's no need to go read lots of books about purposes and calling in life. It's real simple. You're to be a servant of God and a steward of God. So you know what a servant is? A servant says, they wake up and say, you are the Lord, you are the master, and I will do what you want me to do today. And a steward is a person who is responsible for everything entrusted to them. So let's say Brian right here. Brian is super hyper-responsible. We actually talked about this in our discipleship group this week. I, if something went wrong in my life, I would call Brian because I know Brian's responsible. So I go to Brian and say, I'm leaving for a year. And I need Brian, I need you to be be responsible for my house. You have to feed my cat and change his litter box every day, okay? I need you to take care of my lawn. And Brian, as a good steward who's now responsible for what's been entrusted to him, takes care of my house as if it belongs to him. That's a steward, And so what Paul gets at is saying, listen, I'm a steward. I'm responsible for those who have been entrusted to me, a.k.a. every child of God in Philippi, every child of God in Colossae, every child of of God in Ephesus, every child of of God. What am I forgetting? Somebody tell me Philippi, (laughs) Corinth, Corinth in Rome. All these letters that he wrote and specifically here in Corinth, right? He's saying, I am responsible for those that God has entrusted to me because they are my spiritual children. Do you see that? And so he's coming to say, my purpose and my calling my entire life in the midst of everything that I do is defined as being a servant of God and a steward of the things that God's given me responsibility in. So this is really, really important Because the part I want to say as we kind of dive into this is that Paul then comes and says, therefore, be imitators of me. If I am your spiritual father, if ultimately I am responsible for you and I want you to grow into maturity, then just simply imitate me as I imitate Christ and you will become like Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And so Paul comes and says, this is my job to be, your, to be to serve God, be a steward, and you can imitate me and here 's what I want to say as we dive in this morning. When Paul writes this, this is, this is the important part, as Paul writes this, his expectation is very simple and clear: I want you to imitate me because I expect you to be like me. I expect you to have your life defined in all that you're doing as being a servant of God. And a steward of God to be responsible for every person in your life who's been entrusted to you. And therefore, the same expectation would spill over into us who are reading the letter today. It's not just that we're reading something in history. Paul says, this was the expectation of myself. It is my expectation of what maturity looks like in your life. And therefore, this is an eternal message that then spills over to us today who are disciples. Because the picture in this would be... Paul was here. We're going to read it in a second. Paul is here. He modeled it for Timothy. He then sent Timothy, who modeled it for those in Corinth. They would then model it for those who were in their life. And you sent it all the way down to the last couple of thousand years to now here. So all of us, which should have, should have in some... Spiritual lineage, someone back over here around the Paul age that we could then look to and say, okay, they all imitated, which led to me. So my lineage goes back to Paul. The imitation piece and the expectation of Paul is that the Corinthians would live in this life of of imitating Paul so that others can imitate them. so in time we become those who imitate them so that we can have those who imitate us. The ultimate piece is this, your life, and hear this, your life is so important to Jesus and to every single one around you. You can't separate the two. I said this in the first service. The hyper individualism that that defines the church, like focus on self, even individual calling and individual purpose. Do you know when that was birthed in the church? About the time of the Enlightenment, where the church took this this focus on the individual and made their focus on the individual, and therefore liberal Christianity was created. See, ultimately, it's not about the individual. It's about the people of God. It's about us becoming servants and stewards and not about us living for ourselves. And so Paul's coming in this moment saying it's not about you. It's not about you. That ultimately, it's about your life being important to Jesus and to everyone else around you. And that's the place of maturity, according to Paul. So this 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 week, I I this actually last Sunday at 545, I received an email from Daniel Cox. A lot of you know Daniel Cox in our church. If you don't, you know Barry and Kathy. You can raise your hands real quick. Barry is the quarterback coach of the state champion Alatuna football team, right? Yeah, Barry, let's go. Come, on. Come on, Barry. So anyway, so you get to this is who they are. Now Daniel just graduated from Yes, I don't know what you said, but layman, well, man, whatever. So so but Daniel just graduated from Georgia State. He got a degree, a, du- a double major, a double major in, in, in business and in marketing. And he just took his, his first grown-up job, right, working for this group called Power Home Remodeling Group, doing their outbound marketing. I don't know what that means, but basically he said, I'll just give a little blurb. He said, if you know anybody who needs some renovation on their home, please have them call me. So there's Daniel's blurb, okay? But he wrote me last week. He said, we're in this series at our church We're in this series at our church, and it says this. This is at my church. We're doing a series on cast members, and the cast members in a person's movie, okay? The um, cast members. This entails talking about influential people in your life. I wanted to thank you for being such a huge influence on me in high school and my decisions during my first year of college. Steve, thank you so much for your guidance and constant support as you hold one of the key roles in my movie so far. Now, I tell you that you know me. It's not, I'm not, Tim, look at me. I'm awesome, guys. That's not why I'm telling you the story. I read that. Raymond and I love Daniel. We both do. Like, one of the stories for us is that he called, like we did youth camp several years ago long time ago, before Timothy was around, and I was the, we were kind of, I was kind of, I was, I was the youth pastor and lead pastor at the same time, and, and Daniel was, that was the season where Daniel was here as a youth, and, and I don't know, I forget forget where he was, he was going to camp, and decided kind of last minute that he wanted to go, and it was way too late, and, and we weren't even really kind of, had, we had no control at camp in that season, and so I, he's like, I want to come, I'm like, you can't come as a camper, he said, but I really feel like I want to come, and so Randall and I, we lived, we had this little room, and it was like a room that had a bathroom in the middle with a hallway that came down. There's no doors, right? A hallway that came down, another bedroom over here. And I said, listen, we have an extra bed in our room. There's no door or anything. So it's kind of awkward. But if you'll just not tell anybody that you're here and be completely incognito, you can come stay in our room with us and go to camp, right? <laughs> and, it was, and we had great times. We just loved Daniel. We couldn't do it for anybody. We could do it for Daniel. It was awesome. Did you know that story? I don't know that story yet. So, yeah, so Kathy knew. Bear the Terrible Father did not know. Anyway, so, no, just kidding. So, anyway, we had this time. So, so Daniel came and and it was like, and he'll tell you, this is one of those life-changing moments of his spiritual walk, right? And it was just this beautiful moment. And so I just had these stories. So we love Daniel. So Daniel's telling me this. I'm reading this, and I'm like, I am like I'm in I'm in tears, I'm undone. I'm humbled. And I'll tell you what else I am I'm unbelievably energized. Because I don't know about you. But I know it to be true about you. When someone says to you, my life is different because of you, I don't care how bad your day is going, it becomes awesome right then. Can I get an amen? Because when someone says, the impact of your life on me was so profound, like I'm kind of adding words to what Daniel really meant to say. No, but he's saying like, that's like your life made a difference. I mean, Rayl's life made a difference. And, And it's like you're a primary cast member in my movie. I mean, like, ah. Because I realized in that moment, it's like I was living my life. We were doing our thing. We simply imitated Jesus, and it rubbed off on Daniel. And he's shaped today in Christ's likeness because he spent time around us. Y'all, I am humbled. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because, just be honest. I give my life away to a lot of people and I see no fruit sometimes. In fact, their fruit seems to die on the vine with me around them. I have no idea why, right? But Daniel's not one of them. Praise Jesus. Yes. Praise God. Because the nature of our lives is that we, were been des- we have been designed by God. And Paul is speaking this message. It's like, you've been designed to have influence. You've been designed to be those that others can imitate so that they can write you emails or letters or give you phone calls and tell you thank you. I told you the story, I was blown away a few months ago. I sat with David Platt, the David Platt, who said, because I was being you know, our accountability partners and friends and the disciple of in college, and he's like, thank you. I'm like, you're David Platt. I mean, it's like, you've written books that have sold millions, right? And I'm just Steve over here. And he's like, but thank you. And I'm like, oh, God, to have influence. And Paul is looking at this, and, and he's saying, we have Daniels, whether you know it or not. And your lives are designed to have Daniels. And you are to live in such a way that others can imitate your life. And in imitating you, it makes them Christ-like. And Paul is saying, that's the type of life that I intentionally live as a calling and as a purpose every day. I don't care what I actually do. As long as I serve God and I'm a good steward, then all my calling and purpose is defined for me and I'm okay with it. This is this calling. Your life, Paul would say, your life is so important to Jesus, and it's important to every Daniel who lives around you. This is the language of 1 Corinthians 4. Have your Bibles. You can turn there starting in verse 14. We read some of these last week. You can follow on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. It says, I do not, Paul writing, I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed. But to admonish you with my beloved child. So just press pause. Remember last week, he has just gone through this list of like... Uh, You live like this, defined by the culture. I live like this, defined by Jesus. You live like this, defined by the culture. I live like this, defined by Jesus. And so he's saying, our lives don't measure up. Our lives are not equal. You're not imitating. Your life does not look like mine. He goes on and says, I'm not writing that to shame you, but to admonish you, to challenge you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father. In Christ Jesus, through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent Timothy. Because Timothy imitated Paul. He's now expressing in his life this lifestyle of Paul, therefore the lifestyle of Jesus. And so, I, he says, I've, I've, I've given to my beloved, uh, I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, his detractors. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God is not consistent talk, but it consists in power. What do you wish? Shall I'll come to you with a rod or with love in the spirit of gentleness. Whether I come and discipline you or just enjoy our time together. So the first thing I want you to see in this context of, of imitation, this context of, of lifestyle, this purpose and this calling is to define his life, that defines his life, that's to define their life, that's to define our life. Let's look at Paul Who he is, and the things that we can learn from this. Number one, we see Paul and his influence. Paul and his influence. We see, and and the idea of his influence is it is important. Paul recognizes his role as father, or as parent. Like he's a father, if he had a wife, like I have Randall, he would say my, he's like as father and mother, spiritual father and mother, right? Whether, so you're spiritual parents, so we just use the word parent, right? He's coming and saying, Paul and his influence, he recognizes, I have influence as a parent, as a spiritual parent. Listen, you look at Daniel's life, I mean, if y'all know Barry and Kathy, they love Jesus, they're God-fearing The greatest model and example of Jesus in Daniel's life far and away is Kathy and Barry. No, No, Kathy and Barry, honestly, right? They both love Jesus, right? And so he recognizes they had these earthly parents, but I've been, I've come to you as a spiritual parent. And so the idea is he recognizes I own this place in your life and my influence as a spiritual parent. I own that. Like that's a really important word. Please hear that. I recognize my influence as your spiritual parent, and I own it. I own that calling. I define myself to you as a servant of God, which means I'm a servant of yours. I am a steward of God and responsible for you. Because He knows in the Ephesians chapter 4, 14 and 15, talks about this idea, says we are not to be immature as children. So we are to grow with the likeness of Jesus. He recognizes my, I want to grow you. You are my child and I want to grow you. He understood this, right? He understood it. He recognized it as being paramount in his life. That he had to serve those whom God had given him and to steward their lives. James Baldwin, I'm not a Christian, but just writing said this. He says, children. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. They must. They have no other models. I mean, it's so funny. We have Caden, who's living with us right now, and she never really prayed before. And I ran up to that story about sitting down and praying with her. And so she, Randall begins to pray, and all of a sudden, and she starts praying like Jesus. She starts praying like Randall. You pray with Caden, she sounds like Randall. It was so funny, last night we had um, Jeff and Sherry Maddock, you know, our missionaries in Lexington. They were driving through, and, and so we had a meeting last night we had to go to, and so Sherry put Caden down. And, and it was so funny, they got down, and, and, and Caden's like, Do you going to pray? And she's like, yes, I'm going to pray. And so they begin to pray, and at the very end of her prayer, Sherry goes, amen. And Caden goes, we say amen, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just one of those things. It's like this nature. You children imitate the ones that they're around. And Paul recognizes and he owns this as a spiritual parent in their lives. And so he's coming and saying, listen, Paul and his influence as a parent. This is the same influence he is expecting the Corinthians to own for themselves and therefore for you to own. The second thing. As we see this, we see this phrase, this imitators, he says, be imitators of me, imitators of Paul, imitators of Paul in verse 16 and 17. He says, I urge you then, verse 16, a light of this, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. He's basically saying, listen, I have modeled this for Timothy. He's going to come and model it for you so that you can then embrace it and then model it for us. Others be imitators. This thing is important. You may not know this. This theme for Paul of imitation is through almost every single one of his letters or his epistles. We see it in 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. We see it in 1st, 2nd Corinthians. We see it in Ephesians. We see it in Philippians. In the New Testament, without Paul, we see it in the writing of whoever wrote the Hebrews, and we see it in 1st John. This language of imitating a person of influence in your life, it is noble and it's expected. It is noble and it's expected. Webster Defines imitate this way. To imitate means to follow as a pattern, to follow as a pattern, or follow as a model or example. To be like or to appear like. I mean, you understand that imitation, right? It's like it's, and I think it's the most easy for us to see it. Have you ever been around a, a child that, whose parents you know very well, and you're with them for no more than five minutes, and you see the parents in them? Because they just act and they sound like them, and that's what was just the idea of imitation. I love in the Webster's from 1828. They add to this definition of imitate this. We should seek the best models to imitate, and in morals and piety, it is our duty to imitate the example of our Savior. I love that. Webster's literally defining this word imitate in the context of us following and being like Christ. We need to recognize that we should seek the best models to imitate and immorals. And to, and so this idea, right, we should seek, and, and this idea that this is who we should become, and Paul's saying is we need to imitate, become like him. He is, he is, he is embracing this call of being a servant and a steward that others could, could model their lives after. Paul modeled the life of Jesus. It defines his being. Paul presents him. This is important. Paul willingly... Willingly presents himself as a model of integrity. Do you see that? Paul says, imitate me because my life is a life of integrity. What's integrity? It's an undivided life. A life a life which goes only one direction. Do you see that in integrity? It's a life that only goes one direction. That in that, we live with saying, it's like I'm living for Jesus 9 to 5 to 501, Jesus on the shelf, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'll never forget when I was a freshman and no sophomore in college at Young Harris, you didn't have anything to do in college. If you want to have a party, you just climbed a mountain to go have one. And so we, were climbing, we climbed a mountain literally to go have a party. And we're getting there, and to be honest with, I'm not trying to sound super holy, but I literally went to be missional. I went to kind of be Jesus and had a lot of friends there. So I went up there, and they were all drinking and hanging out. And I found the best time to ever talk to people, if it was one their life, is when they're drunk. They'll tell you anything you want to know. So I went and did that, right? And I'm kind of in the shadows hanging out with someone. All of a sudden, this girl came up who was primarily invested into our into our, in our, our campus ministry. She was, quote, unquote, one of our leaders. I'll never forget, I was in the shadows. She did not see me. She came walking up with a bottle of tequila and in a in a, in a, in a about five shot glasses, right? And she comes up and she is like, oh, I mean, I'm just kind of putting my Christianity on the shelf right now because I've had a hard week. I need to unwind. And she just kind of laid out those five shot glasses there, tequila, 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 all the way down. And she sat down to put her hand out. I walked out, I just stepped out of the shadows. It was so great. She goes, oh, whatever. I just have to unwind, right? And she took the shot glasses and went down the line. And my thought was in this: it's like I, like I under, like I didn't judge her because I, I, we have hard weeks, right? I'm not sitting here saying, "Oh, she's a terrible Christian." But my point is, like, she was putting Jesus on a shelf, and Paul's saying, "I won't do that. I won't do that in my actions." It's like I'm not going to go get drunk because I know it's a terrible example. Because there are always Daniels around me. I'm not going to sit here and gossip about people. Like we're all really, really good at doing. Oh, let's just pray for Brother Johnny. He's kind, of gotten, got, he's kind of struggling again. What's going on? Well, let me tell you, right? We can't do that. We can't live our lives and state these things about our faith and who we are in Christ and go two separate directions. We have to have a life of integrity. One direction. And Paul's coming and saying, I commit to you a life of integrity that if you do what I do that will lead you to Jesus. An interesting thing, let me just kind of state this, the philosophers of the age, and Paul actually is writing against this in in, in 1 Corinthians, the philosophers of the age, I don't have to paraphrase this, I didn't write it down on my notes, but I was reading, and basically the philosophers of the age, they would tell their their students in the classes they were teaching that they needed to uh, completely keep their inward life hidden from everyone so they could always maintain their godlike status before them. Like it reminds me of my parents' age of church where the pastor was so disconnected and lived so separated that people had no idea what was going on in his life. So he would be perceived as being holy and completely put on a pedestal. It was, it was, it was, like I heard pastors say that. I was actually, by one of our, our elders who was 75 at the time, was actually said, you cannot be too close to people in your church. because if they get too close, they will see the brokenness and then you will lose your voice in their life. And Paul says, well, let me just tell you, I am the least of the least. I, there is nothing profound about me. In fact, i murdered Christians. In fact, I was responsible for the very first murder of a Christian. His name was Stephen. There is nothing great about me, right? I'm not holier than thou. I, in fact, uh, he, says, uh, the, he says, I am the worst of all. I guess, I guess He's basically saying, see, I am a human being with all of my frailties, all of my insecurities, all of my sin. I'm not perfect. Listen, when you read the story of Paul, and it was at Barnabas, and they had their great division over John Mark. Do you remember that in Scripture? How many of you remember that? Put your hands up very high so I know you read your Bible. Okay. There was a moment in Scripture where Paul and Barnabas were doing great ministry. And they had this great division, butting of heads. And they go separate ways. Do you know what? Paul was in sin. Like you have to know that. Because Jesus says you must be unified as the body. They were such in such disunity and disconnect. They literally had to split ways and go separate ways. That was not God's will. For them to have such like, did God use it for His glory? Absolutely, and we know that God redeemed that later in life because you heard the preacher say. And then John Mark came back and then went did ministry with Paul later in life, but they were in sin. God can make all things and use it for His glory. That's what Paul's getting at. And so this idea is like, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm better than everyone. I'm not saying I have high, high integrity. It's I'm going one direction, and I will fail. But when I fail by God, I will repent better than anybody else in the whole world and go back after Jesus. Amen. The word I had this morning was we were in, in worship. Was this? I, I saw, I saw, like I, I saw this person, and they were like looking this direction. They were looking this direction, and they were standing still. And I, I sensed there was like, it was like a race going on behind them. And they were running. And all of a sudden, in this dream, excuse me, this vision, picture, and I don't say vision, it sounds too, right? This picture I had, that was a vision. I'm just kidding. It was a picture I had of the Lord. At like this moment, like I saw Jesus, this is in the context of words. I saw Jesus walk up and just put his hand on the shoulder and the person turn, And all of a sudden, they started running full speed as fast as they could go. And what I recognized, like, and I understood immediately God saying, there are those that in their life that they just kind of just, they, they're going after me and then something happens and they just start looking this way and they're completely stagnant, not moving forward, and they're just stuck. And my grace is to come and put my hand on their shoulder, let them see my face, and then they will start running again. He says, that's what I have for people this morning. That's this nature of integrity, right? It's not that I'm perfect all the time. It's that in that moment when I'm running my race, one direction, and this, like, have you ever said, have ever had life happen? Have you ever had life happen? I don't know if you've ever had life happen, you know what I mean? Life happens, and you just find yourself stuck for a day, or a week, or a month, or maybe six months, or maybe two, a year, right? Because life has happened, and all of a sudden there's that moment of, and Jesus comes, and he just says, and he doesn't say, I'm so frustrated. He just puts his hand on your shoulder, and you look at him, and go, ah! And you start taking off. And I literally turned, and I saw these massive people running towards Jesus. That's what Paul's getting. It's not saying, I'm not looking perfect. I'm saying integrity, like your walk, you're running the race. I'm not saying you be perfect. I'm the worst of all people. But that you're undivided. And when that moment comes, or you kind of find yourself stopping on the way because a light happened, then you just start, you turn and start running again. And listen, I don't know about you. Listen. When I find that someone struggles with something that I think is perfect, I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. I'm not the only one. That's what we're talking about in this life of integrity, right? Paul lived a great conviction that his mode of life and heart were, th- other, were, were things that others needed to see. He lived with a desire to make Jesus present to his converts and to give them an example to follow. He devoted his life and service to God by modeling this life of integrity for those entrusted to him. And he lived, listen, he lived with an expectation and a desire that children will do what children will do and imitate what has been modeled to them. Do you live with that same expectation, that same desire, the same longing, the same burning calling and purpose of your life? There's only one purpose and calling, is to live as servants and stewards of God for those who are in need of him. Number 3 we see in the story, imitation demands right talk and power. Verse 18 through 20. Some of you some are arrogant Right, these detractors, those who are opposed to Paul. Some are arrogant as though I am not coming to you, but I will come to you soon. Da, 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 right? If the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but it consists in power. He's going to say, y'all, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, and people are swaying my children away, but you have to know. He says, I will find out. That's to talk of these arrogant people. I figure out they got power. Do you know why? Because Paul. when Paul walked in the scene, who did he imitate? And what did he imitate him in? Both talk and doing miracles. Paul would sit down with them and say, let's see see your Jesus stories. Let's hear the stories of what's going on in your life that you couldn't do, that only Jesus could do. Bring it. And I got my, I got my stories. In fact, most of these guys know my stories. They can tell my stories. So let's see. What you, are you just talk, or do you have power, miraculous, the things of God, defining your life? Also, because by God's grace, I imitated Jesus, and in imitating Jesus, He did miracles. So, in imitating Him, I do them also. Do you have any power defining you, or are you literally just just full of hot air? because I don't have time for hot air. I have time for Jesus and the power and the movement of his spirit. He's coming in the moment, right? Life of Paul, beautiful. Paul is looking for right speech and right actions. Right theology of mind and right theology of activity. You see in their life, he's looking saying, "Guys, when you imitate me, your life will look like me, and people will see it and recognize you're not just words, but you are action. Remember the greatest thing that we see in the life of Jesus, I think it's in Luke 4, beginning of Luke 4, maybe Luke 3, I can't remember, so apologize. But he basically he says, says that he was teaching, that says, he teaches, listen, he teaches as one who has authority. Unlike everybody else who was full of words, but there was something about authority and action behind his words that set Jesus apart. This is Paul. He to the Corinthians, it should also be you, and therefore should be everyone else. We should be those who the life and the words of Jesus and his actions are defining us. Paul, expectation clear in First Corinthians 4 is a father who has modeled the lifestyle of Jesus for them, an integrity that's unswerving, right? Who expresses the fruit of God's spirit in, 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 in talk and in power. Listen, he's expecting his children to do what children do and to imitate him. The reason for Paul, be clear to them, he wants them to imitate him so that others could imitate them because i believe paul would say to them very clearly your life is so important to jesus and all the daniels who live around you and do you live every day with that defining listen it's not just your children who live inside of your home I, we, we, we model Jesus and imitate Christ for our children the best that we can. And the like Catherine would say, I don't do the best job all the time, but I try, right? And when I mess up, I ask forgiveness and I apologize because that's what Jesus would do, right? And so when I continue trying to lead them to hearing God's voice, it's like to, to knowing Jesus, but it's also people outside. Listen, don't believe the lie that the only people you're supposed to influence are people inside your four walls of your home. It's not true. It's them and everyone else you come into contact with who is in need of Jesus. Listen. It's kind of an epiphany for me, even this morning when I was preaching, and it kind of came out in the first service, and it was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the first one, so hopefully it is here too, but it's like I sat there and I thought about like this move, like imitation. It's really easy to talk like Jesus. I mean, just go read your Bible and say what he says. It's really easy, right? But the idea of like working in these, the, the, the miracles and working in the things of Jesus, and so what Paul gets at is this, and this is a beautiful piece. Do you recognize that practice leads to being? Like as you just imitate someone and do what they do 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 all of a sudden grafts into you and becomes who you are. Practice leads to your heart being changed. That's what the disciples did. They just followed Jesus. They did what he did in complete immaturity, and all of a sudden it's so grafted into them, it became who they were. And so the idea is real simple. If you want to begin to see the power, listen, the power of God released into your life as an imitation of Jesus and an imitation of Paul, just start imitating him. Like the struggle for people is that they go into their daily life and never think about hearing God for somebody. Imitate Jesus and start listening for them. Listen, stop praying for the miracles to be done in your life and just start doing them. I mean, literally, it's, it's, just, it's honestly as simple as that. Something, like, oh, Jesus, if you would just do this. Instead of say, Jesus, I'm going to imitate you today. I'm going to start listening to, for you for every single person that I talk to. He's like, thank you, finally stepping out in faith. <laughs> right? Thank you for finally listening. Thank you for caring just to listen. Listen, you can say, oh, God, I sort to of pray for healing. And God, just move. He says, well, just pray for people for healing. Like, don't make it too, like, don't make it like, oh, I've got to figure out all the right steps. And, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Just start praying for healing. You know, see, miracles happen. Then just start, this. imitate Jesus when he was around people and start praying for people. John Wimber. i am never forget. my favorite story, one of my, one of my favorite stories of his. He really was encouraged by saying this, this nature of healing. So, so I just started praying for every single person who came along who was in need of healing. Wasn't like he tried to figure things out. Didn't go read 16 books on healing. Didn't like try to figure out like certain hand motions and what do I do and like do I like how I say Jesus? You know, he just said, so I just started praying for people. He said, every single person I prayed for for one single year, for 355 days was not healed. But I was going to still present. He said, "At that moment, I'm like faithful, I'm just being faithful to God." And so, in that moment, in day three, three hundred sixty-six, I laid hands on a sixth person. Almost every single person I prayed for from that moment on was healed. Listen, all I'm, listen. You hear what I'm saying? You need to continue to grow. But Jesus just said, "Go out." They didn't have everything. They like listen. They had the Spirit of God. You have the spirit of God. They didn't know what they were doing. In fact, they were still arguing about who was the greatest among them. Even after Jesus had literally just broken bread in the Lord's Supper. They were still in sin, still in arrogance, still in pride. They were not perfectly holy. And he's just saying, but go anyway, because I'm with you. Imitate. And as you practice, you grow in your knowledge. This is what happens. This is what Paul's saying. Imitate me. Imitate me because your life is so important to Jesus and to every Daniel and everyone around you. This is what it means to be grounded for life. This is what it means when Paul says, imitate me, do what I do, both in talk and in action. Just begin believing God's saying, And it's as simple as this. The only thing I would say as you go is you have to go in humility. Jesus, I'm going to pray for healing today. I'm going to listen for your voice, not because I'm great, but because you're great. And I humble myself before you, God. As I listen, I speak because you love them. As I lay hands on the sick, I pray because you love them. And I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Jesus. That's what I'm asking for. We imitate Paul. Now in this moment, the question we begin to ask ourselves. All right, so there's no condemnation in this. It's just this awakening to a place of maturity, of imitating Paul, imitating Jesus, so we can move into Christ like this because we have, we have our lives defined, whether we know it or not, our calling and purpose is all the same, to be great servants of God and stewards. So it's going to define my life for everyone that I'm around because my life has unbelievable influence, and I am supposed to live a life that others can imitate. So the question is, Number one, are you doing that? Number two, do you know who the Daniels are in your life? Or are you so focused on self that you live every day judging everything by how it affects you versus living your life, seeing how everyone's being affected and impacted by the world around them? who are in need of what you have. Jesus wants us to live with our eyes focused on him and focused on others, imitating Paul as servants and stewards because we are, whether you know it or not, responsible as parents of every single person that comes into our life. And as such, we have to own that. And ask Jesus to help us, because when I hear that, I go, oh, crap. And he goes, that's exactly what you should respond as, because you recognize in that moment you actually need me. And when you need me, you look at me. And when you look at me, you are changed by me. But you are all of a sudden now you have your, your eyes focused on the woman, the ones you need to imitate. So you can become like, as you know, you imitate the ones you look at. And we have to look at Jesus nonstop so that we can be changed into his likeness so we can imitate him so others have Jesus to imitate in us. Let's pray. Father, you are good. We thank you for your presence. Father, we rest this morning in your goodness. We rest in your power. We rest in your calling in our life. We rest in the fact that we're able to imitate you, not because of our own abilities, but because of the abilities of the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we're able to be like Christ because of the cross and because of his resurrection and because of Pentecost, of you sending the spirit into our lives. And so, Father, we we come this morning and, and to say, Jesus, as Paul says, imitate me, we want to help us, help us to imitate you, help us to know you, Jesus help us to be like you. I pray that you would place in our lives others that we could imitate so that we can be the Daniels also receiving and learning and growing. And I do pray this morning, Jesus, just out of your mercy and out of your kindness, would you simply all of a sudden just turn our eyes, like put your hand on our shoulder so that we could then turn and see you first. And just be changed and then start running the race set before us with endurance, knowing that you are the prize we're coming after. I pray today that you would shift us, that you would change us, that you would do this work. we bless you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. And I invite you to respond. We'll have ministry teams available. Listen, I know when we run, our, we run the, the race of our lives so often and we, we get tired, we just need people to come alongside and be Jesus to us and put their hands on us and pray for us. So I invite you to come forward. Ministry teams, please don't let me hang in. Go ahead and come. Number two, we have communion available right here. Communion is simply us recognizing the work of Jesus and recognizing, and this is important, every time you take communion, there is grace to make his resurrection, his, his death and resurrection alive inside of us again so we become alive and aware of his goodness and his power. So take this morning with by faith, recognizing the work of God. If you were, uh, came this morning to give your offering, you don't know where it goes. It goes in these two baskets right here in that metal box in the back with a, a slit in top and you can give as the Lord leads. I encourage you this morning that God is stirring in each of us. And I encourage you to come to the altar. We'd love to come here. If you come to the altar, I'll come up behind you and pray for you. But it's when it responds, the Lord leads. Harvest will lead us for a song. And then when she's ready, she's gonna pray us out. But I invite you until that moment just to worship and respond as the Lord leads. Okay. We love you guys.